Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to the Delighted Customers Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Slayton, and I'm so glad you're here. I empower leaders to turn indifferent customers into loyal fans. I talk to guests with a wide range of expertise who share meaningful insights and wisdom. We give you practical tips and proven frameworks and share ways to help you delight your customers. I've been doing some research on what's most important to business leaders, and I've heard three major themes. Number one, their employees are burned out and feel overwhelmed. Number two, they're concerned about customer retention. And number three, they want to address customer friction, whether it's controllable or not, but they need actionable results. As a result, I've created the 120-day Quick Start, a four-step program designed to go from current state assessment to specific strategies to get you actionable results in 120 days. If you want to make a quick impact, check out empoweredcx.com for more information. I'd love to talk to you. Maybe it's like once you start to buy a car brand, then you see it on the road all the time. Maybe I'm thinking about it, so I hear it all the time, but it's process that getting the process right, getting the delivery of the experience that was designed, getting the execution of the brand promise right, and that doesn't happen ad hoc. There has to be a very thoughtful approach to getting your processes right. And not just the processes of operations, the process of business, processes of customer experience. What does your closed loop feedback look like when you're trying to restore the relationship with the customer? What does your closed loop feedback look like when you're doing your internal process improvements? How do you celebrate your employees? How do you inspire them? It doesn't happen just as, a, oh, shoot, I should go do something, but rather what is the process that you do that? And getting process right and getting process, br- getting process right more often is where we'll start to see better customer service, better customer experience improvement. Well, it's so much fun to have a fellow podcaster and a fellow CX person on the Delighted Customers podcast today. Uh, Today, my guest is Rick Denton, who um, is a fellow podcaster, as I mentioned. He is a podcaster of a podcast called CX Passport, which I've been fortunate enough to have been a guest on one of his shows, and, um, and also 
His company is EX4CX, Execution for Customer Experience. So I am so excited. We're going to have so much fun, Rick. Thanks and welcome to the show. Mark, I am so excited to be on here. Thank you for having me on the show today. Absolutely. And um, you know you know this, that there are no two CXers that came up into our profession the same way. We all, <laughs> many roads up to the top of the mountain. How did you get to where you are now? And yeah. Well, Mark, so first of all, the top of the mountain. So I guess you're already there. I'm, I'm looking up <laughs> at you and hoping to get to that top of the mountain someday. Uh, it, it, it is interesting. You're, you're hundred percent correct, right? You mentioned the podcast I've had and asked that question of folks, Hey, how did you get into this? And it is fascinating to hear the different paths that people have taken. Did they come up as contact center agents? Did they come into it through a marketing lens or a digital lens or whatever? And so you're, I, I do, I always get a kick out of that. So I'm glad you asked me that question. I don't get to be on this side of the microphone very often. Mm -hmm. So this will be kind of fun, you know? I, I will be very specific as to when I sort of made the mental conversion at one point. But when I look back, I think I've been doing customer experience almost my entire career. I just didn't know that I was doing customer experience. And that may be true of a lot of folks. I spent a lot of time in my career in the process improvement space, in the operational excellence space, even in the project management space. And I mean, there was actually a time that I was a coder right out of college. I, they mm -hmm. The company I worked for taught this poli-sci major how to code, got out of that pretty quickly, and they probably wanted me to get out of that as quickly <laughs> as possible. But that process improvement, project management was really kind of the core of my career for a good portion of time. And then I was working for a company. And I'm, no names here, but I was working for a company that said, hey, we've heard of this Forrester thing. Why don't you, you know, we've got a subscription. Why don't you go off to this conference? And it was one of their big CX conferences. And I mean, it was as if the road to Damascus and the lights came down on me and I, my eyes were opened and I realized this, this is what I want to do. And so that was the pivot moment where I was able to actually become in my mind, a customer experience person and, and morph my career that direction. But what do I mean by how the process work brought me to that and how I've been doing customer experience all my life? I'll give an example from an operational excellence project that we did. And one was, how can we reduce the cycle times around appraisals? A cycle time, that's real process, lean six sigma kind of conversation. And we did that for the benefit of the company. It, it reduced so we could get more appraisals done. But then you look back and you realize if you're a customer buying a home or looking for a mortgage or a home equity product, you, that's one of the biggest pain points is waiting for that appraisal to get done. And that was the mental shift that I realized, you know, what would be a lot more fun is instead of trying to just focus on that inside out and helping the company improve, why not focus outside in, right? The classic book the cl that sits there, actually right there behind my thumbs point that outside yeah. in and let the customer drive what is it that needs to be improved? Where can things grow from an experience perspective? So that was, that was the pivot point where it happened. I just looked back and realized, I think I've always had customer at the heart all the way, uh, throughout my career, just didn't realize that that's what it was. Yeah. And, and tell us like, um, what, what made you make the transition to go into do your own thing? Oh, well, <laughs> that was a little bit after the transition to customer experience. Cause I think going and doing my own thing, uh, would have been unwise at the beginning when I was just learning to ha, -ha spell CX. Yeah. I, you know, 
Uh, I made the transition as I had finished with another employer and it was, uh, we had just achieved the significant customer experience victory, similar kind of things that we really improved the overall experience for the customer, both as measured in things like NPS, CSAT and the, the like, but also in the business results. And we'd achieved what we wanted to achieve. And there was going to continue to be incremental growth that direction, but the culture was in place. The teams were marching forward and there just wasn't the right next challenge. And so I realized, you know what? I think it might be kind of fun to take this right next challenge out on my own. And so I did. I left and found the opportunity to, to start on my own. It took a little while to get started, as many of us do in the independent space. And I've had a series of clients in the customer experience world that have been absolutely delightful. Some names you definitely know and other names that you don't. And that's been one of the joys of being an independent is that variety, all the while being able to help companies create tangible business value, business growth from their customer experience. Well, that's that's uh, an interesting uh, journey that you took, and um, I I wanted to tap on to one of the aspects in particular, one of the one of the five competencies is customer insights and understanding, according to CXPA, and within that is typically where your voice of the customer uh, program sits, and. You there's a there's a term that you use total VOC. Can you share more about that? What's behind that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, and so total VOC is a little brand that I have out there. In fact, you can go to totalvoc.com and you can see that approach. The idea behind it is something that it just pains me when I see so many companies do this. And and to say what the origin of this idea, this concept, I don't know. It's a lot of things coming together. But how many times have you seen or been in a conversation with someone and you're talking about, hey, voice of the customer, like, oh, yeah, those surveys. And you just want to hang your head and go, okay, no, there's so much more to voice the customer than just surveys. A a total voice of the customer approach is not survey and score. Stop survey and score. Start, listen, and act. And that's really the, the, the meat behind that. And what I'm trying to do is get companies to go beyond that sense of, okay, every month we get our score and we applaud when it goes up. Or we shed a tear when it goes down, but then nothing happens. Well, guess what? The customer couldn't care less about your score. The customer doesn't care that you are trending upwards. The customer cares what you did with the information that they have provided, whether consciously providing it through the action of a survey. I'm not anti-survey, but I recognize it's diminishing influence or the conscious choices to provide you a review or to call into a call center or the you know less conscious choices of how they're interacting with your website or how they're making their purchasing decisions or their walk around inside of a retail store all of those things make up this true and total approach of listening to the customer and then the act what do you do with that, the actions. And there's so many, I mean, we could make this a total VOC podcast. I'd be happy to tell you more about it, but really it's that idea of going in there and doing something with this. One little bonus thing though, and I know you didn't ask this, but I'm going to say, I talk about listen and act. I realize there's a third part to it. It's a kind of an epiphany uh, maybe a year or so ago, listen and act and engage. There is a massive employee engagement, employee experience element to VOC. And I'm not just talking about understanding what your employee's experience is. I mean more using the customer's voice to inspire, to coach, to celebrate your employees. That's a key component of what a total voice of the customer approach really is and can be. Yeah. So I so appreciate what you're saying because um, I often hear people use VOC synonymous with surveys. Mm-hmm. Um, and while that's a sub component of surveys, you, you, different ways you can listen, 
gain insights and understand include right. other ways of listening, like like focus groups, right, and roundtables, and uh, getting uh, getting some operational data. You know, how many yeah. times has someone done something? How they visited your website and all that. Um, and then uh, the idea of of listen, act, and engage, as you as you say, and it's really important to to to, to turn the data that you get into something that's actionable. Like you're as a CX leader, or person responsible for it. Hey, asking the question: Is this? If I'm sharing this, it better be actionable. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> and on the flip side, don't make me ask it if you aren't going to do anything with it. How many surveys have you filled out or conversations you've had with brands and been like? What are you going to do with that piece of information? Right. And right. so exactly that. And certainly don't ever ask me anything that you should as a company already know. So sorry to interrupt your flow. You can no. see that I can get on a soapbox and get excited about this. No, I know you're passionate. I love that. I love that about you. Um, and I, and I want to see if you can, uh, this is a particular, maybe it's in some ways controversial, but it relates to what you were just, that model you were just describing, which is the engage piece. And I think, I think, um, I think the employee experience, when I think about the employee experience, it, it is focusing on all these things that um, affect how employees feel about the work, right? Perceive the work that they're doing and the, and the brand and the job and the company. I think sort of the next level for the employee experience is employee engagement. And when I think about employee engagement and that self-actualization of the Maslow's you know, hierarchy and the top of the triangle is self-actualization, meaning, you know, I need to get the basics. I need to, as an employee, I need to get my my paycheck so I can pay my bills. And then I need to have a safe place to work. And then I need to whatever. But beyond that, then my why, as Simon Sinek says, my purpose for being here, what gets mm -hmm. me from just showing up and doing the job to um, going above and beyond, giving you that discretionary effort, Rick, is connecting to the why. And it's got to somehow involve the output of where this all ends up, whether they're, you know, doing accounting work and making sure that the beans are counted, financial work, marketing, operations, any of those things. At the end of the day, we're serving customers of some kind. Right. So to connect those dots that you're talking about between voice of the total voice of the customer and the employees engaging, that's that next level. What do you think? It really is. And oh my gosh, there's so many things that we could talk about in here. Where do we start? That idea of let's start with the one where you're, you're kind of alluding to the fact that certain roles don't even think of themselves as customer facing, right? Maybe the accounting, uh, the the in interior technology role, not the exterior facing, but if you're mm -hmm. just, if, if you're the network mm -hmm. person inside the company, yeah. that's where total VOC really can come into play in that you take those inspirational customer stories or that inspirational customer feedback or that inspirational customer picket, whatever the customer voice review, whatever that is. And you bring that into wider company visibility. I, I mentioned home equity. I worked for a, a, a financial services company and specifically inside of their mortgage and home equity group. This is what about mortgages and home equity, right? We're not talking about really, this isn't Disney travel, right? Not the most emotionally exciting things. I have been brought to tears. And I mean, I'm not like literal tears watching the story being told of a customer who was able to adopt a 14-year-old child because of home equity, someone who was able to afford life-saving cancer treatment that was alternative and was not available in insurance because of that. 
And yes, I was in a customer facing role, but even those that weren't by those customer stories were then brought into a connectivity of this is why we do it. I keep the server and the network running so that our agents can talk to a customer so that when they need this treatment, they can get that product. All of that emotional connectivity helps elevate that employee experience, helps elevate that employee engagement. It's one one area of, of you know, an area where you, you really brought that in and that idea of it doesn't matter your role, but by using voice the customer and bringing that in, you can absolutely inspire an entire employee workforce. Right, right. Um, and yet, and and yet, um, with as far as we've come with uh, these CX platforms, and now some of them are doing AI, and they've been mm-hmm. doing text analytics for those people who don't know that's if a if a customer writes in. Uh, uh, a, c- a comment, or you can do it if they call into the call center and you're converting the voice to text. The 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 system can can convert that text into analytics and provide data, turn it into something that looks quantitative for you. But but all these advances that we've made, and and I'm sh- I'm missing a whole bunch in in the profession, but yet still, I would say right now as we're sitting here in 2023, there's four four years ago. The customer satisfaction levels in almost every industry are higher than they are today. There has been almost an across the board, with few exceptions, across the board drop in CX. So why I why is it so bad? <laughs> you know what? Why is it so bad? It's funny being on this side of the microphone because I've asked guests that question too. And now I realize, oh, I kind of feel the pressure of, well, how am I supposed to answer for it's, four it's years or you, 10 Rick. years? Of it's, yeah, exactly. it's up to you, Rick. Fix it. Uh, so the reason that customer experience sucks is my fault. I'm sorry, everyone. Please don't there use that go. as the clip. There you <laughs> go. It's going out to the press right now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Look, he, 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 there's a myriad of factors. One of them, I think, is, well, let's just start with lack of focus. Let's start there. There's another angle that I want to talk about. But I, I still, for some reason, and I'm so biased because I live inside the customer experience world, there is still this lack of faith lack of belief, lack of, it's already been proven. So I I, I can't talk about lack of proof or lack of data. I think it's just this lack of faith or belief that improving customer experience creates tangible business results. And we, you and I can get into a discussion around how do you do that and, and why should you do that? It's so important for us as customer experience professionals to convince the chief financial officer and the like. There's an argument to be made, though, that we should have evolved well past that point by now. And I love what Nicholas Zeisler continues to say, and that is, and I'm stealing this directly from him, so all credit to Nick Z here, and is no one asks what the ROI of HR is. No one asks what the ROI of the finance department is. It just is. And that's where customer experience needs to get to. Okay, but we're not there. And so I think the reality is uh, there is that lack of faith. There's a lack of belief. Well, why is that? And I think that's the second part of it. And it is we have been willing to go after the shiny, the big, the ambitious, which is great. I'm not against that. I think the tools that are out there, the AI, I love some of the video voice of the customer uh, capturing and experience management aspects that are out there. Absolutely love it. We have done that at the expense of the basics of the blocking and tackling. And I had a, a guest on the episode's not released yet, but it will be released where he talked about, you know, it, it's great to have that touchdown, that, that long touchdown. But you know what is actually more successful is getting that first down, the basics and blocking and tackling of getting customer first downs. And I'm going to get real precise here. And there's a voice on, on LinkedIn, but I'm seeing others saying this as well. It's about customer 
service experience. It's about just the basics of, you know what? I shouldn't have to tell you that my package is lost. You should know my package is lost. You should have already delivered a new package to me and said, don't worry about that old package because we don't know where that one is. You shouldn't have to me to call in to validate myself after waiting 40 minutes and for me to describe the problem to you. The basics of customer service have been ignored as we go after the shiny object. And it's those basics that I, I think it's a lot of why customer experience is just simply not where it should be. If we get the basics right, I think customers would find themselves okay that we didn't have the shiny quite ready just yet. And and when you say that, and I agree, uh, I really like the way you're thinking about it, the way you described it, and the way you got specific. When you say that, and my mind immediately goes to, why don't we get the basics right? And, and my mind immediately goes to ask the question, does senior leadership and do the, the, the business unit leaders are they talk about focus? So they have top of mind the journey, the client journey that their clients go through. And it could be a journey map, it could be something else. But are they thinking about where those pain points are today? Are they thinking about also where the opportunities are today to give extra value or to create value for their most valuable clients, customers? Um, and if the answer to that question is, it's it's a gut feel or it's intuitive. That may be why, I mean, I don't know what you think, but that may be why we're missing it is this goes back to Harley's book, Outside In. There's a certain humility and a discipline to saying, I need to keep keep understanding what's going on from the outside in and yeah. understand my, my customer's journey and beyond. Be connected to that. What, what do you think? Well, and I think a lot of that ties to brand promise. As well, and again, I'm uh, Nick. If you're listening to this, I'm channeling you here uh, very strongly. You can tell where some of my influences are. Yeah. Um, let's use an airline. Man, I don't want to use names, but let's just use a, a European discount airline. Okay. And their entire brand promise is about: Look, you're not going to necessarily enjoy it while you're inside our metal tube, but we're going to get you there most of the time, really, really cheaply. And some of those, the customer scores, pick your metric, are actually higher for this, uh, you know, un, in my mind, unpleasant experience, but it's because they're delivering on what they say their brand is. And so I think a lot of, a lot of companies are missing the opportunity to, to do exactly what you're saying, and that is, what does the customer want? in conjunction with what is our brand promise to that customer. So if the customer wants uh, a luxury experience, but that's not what we offer, well, then let's just be really blooming clear about it. There's an airline in the US that says, you know, you're the reason we fly. And I can tell you my experience sure doesn't feel like that. It feels like my wallet is the reason they fly, but not me, the human. And so getting that brand promise tied to what the experience is will help sort of at least match the 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 perception on what customer service is. Now that doesn't still get away from the fact of, you know, what I really want is for you not to cancel my flight. What I really want is my baggage to arrive on time. And what I really want are some of the basics of customer experience. But aligning brand promise and and being authentic with what we're saying. How many companies say, oh, we've got the customer at the center and it's BS. Yeah. So if you don't want to have the customer at the center, fine. Just be honest about it. That's fine. Well, and they, <laughs> Tell me that you don't like me and that's okay. And, and as CX professionals, we know that, that none of that happens by accident, right? It's It's got to be intentional and there are frameworks, you know, that the best companies have 
their competencies that they they have built and that they all do very well. And it has to do with this ability to listen, to understand, to make the changes, design the experience in a way that their right. their most valued customers can appreciate. And you know, I heard somebody going back to the brand promise. I heard someone say once that the brand you know is what marketing creates and customer experience is delivering on that brand promise. I love the use of the word delivering. Hmm. And that's what, when we talk about what do I think is missing in customer experience, what do I think? I really think that from a pendulum perspective, what did I say that my career focused on, right? I talked about operations excellence. I talked about process. I talked about that inside out. I think in our need, and it was a very legitimate need to stop being so inwardly focused and instead be outward focused, that outside in perspective, that I think we've forgotten that that inside in part kind of matters too. And even built into the brand of my company, execution for customer experience, I think it is blending both of those worlds is how you actually end up creating great customer experience, or at least solid customer experience for every customer every time. It is really easy to delight one customer and piss off 99. It's also really easy to be incredibly efficient and piss off all of your customers, but you're doing it really efficiently. So you've got to find that blend. And I think what's missing and I'm hearing it more and more in the conversation this year. I really, for some reason, it's come to time. Maybe sure. I'm thinking about it. So I hear it all the time, but it's process that getting the process right, getting the delivery of the experience that was designed, getting the execution of the brand promise right. And that doesn't happen ad hoc. There has to be a very thoughtful approach to getting your processes right. And not just the processes of operations, the process of business, processes of customer experience. What does your closed loop feedback look like when you're trying to restore the relationship with the customer? What does your closed loop feedback look like when you're doing your internal process improvements? How do you celebrate your employees? How do you inspire them? It doesn't happen just as a, oh, shoot, I should go do something, but rather what is the process that you do that? And getting process right and getting process br- getting process right more often is where we'll start to see better customer service, better customer experience improvement. Yeah. So you, you're, you're seeing, and there's a whole bunch of reasons why coming out of COVID, why processes may be deficient and, you know, think about employee and staffing issues, sure. you know, think about supply shortages and think about a whole bunch of other factors, uh, hybrid work, all these things that go into it and, and maybe even economic constraints on, on ways people have cut on, on systems and on, on staff that, that right. affect the process. What I, what I want to get your opinion on is, is, a, is an observation I made early on in my career, which was uh, the, the folks I, wor- I also worked, we both worked in banks. I worked for a financial institution and I was um, cross enterprise, but one of the divisions, one of the areas was treasury management. And that's the, for, that's the part of the business that are all the suite of services that go to business clients. So merchant right. services, wire uh, management, um, a whole bunch of other things that um, that are if you're a business client that go beyond just getting a loan, mm-hmm. which isn't which is very important. That's bread and bread and butter for a bank. <laughs> but all these other services that you get, ACH, payroll, all this, all these mm-hmm. things. Um, and the and the and the head of that was concerned because of how long it took and how at that point, and this is going back over a decade, how paper intensive that process was. 
And so we did a survey of people we did in that in were customers in that area. And it turns out we found out something very interesting. They were less concerned about what happened during that transition from their old bank to the new bank. Uh, at the beginning, the application process and all the forms they had to fill out, which was very labor intensive because they expected it to be a one-time thing. Ah, yeah. Where the, where the burn was for them was 90 days out where all the transition, the kind of wave was over and all these things were supposed to be connected and working in the new bank. And there were some issues there. And by that point, the attention, the spotlight was off, right? So, so going back to, I guess this leads me to say, yes, business process is important, but it should be, the word comes to mind, inspired, but it should be informed by what, what's most important to the customer's experience. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. It, it does not. I'm glad you're giving us the opportunity to clarify that because who cares if you have a really optimized business process that the customer doesn't care about? That's a very, uh, very true and almost, almost too simple to say. And yet the reality is a lot of companies don't necessarily get that right because they're looking for where is the biggest waste. And, and there could be value in that. I, I, let me take a little time out here. And, and sometimes I think we get into these conversations and we treat them as binary, right? Well, right. it's got to be customer focus or it's got to be operational efficiency pro- focus. Not necessarily. It can be okay to say, you know what? I really do need to optimize this because it's inefficient. It just bugs the crap out of me internally. That's okay too. Yeah. And so, but using the customer to help inform and um I've been introduced to a concept and it's not new, but Mary Drummond helped really cement it in my mind. And that is the idea of, you know, is it worth it to the customer? And so we talked about that in the process world. We talked about non-value added activities. Would the customer be willing to pay for it? So we use those terms in the process world. Now we're just talking about it. Is it worth it to the customer in the, the customer world? And so using that approach of, okay, customer inform and tell me. There's one little quirk to it. And when you were talking about this, when you were saying, you know, hey, the paper forms and digital, I thought you were going a direction of then the customer was resisting going digital. That wasn't the story that you told, but I was thinking that. And it reminded me of a story and her name's Katie Miller. She's the head of fan experience for the Orlando Magic. She told us it was on the podcast probably a year and a half ago. And she talked about how they got all of this great customer insight. And the customer told them in no uncertain terms, and their customer in this context were season ticket holders, the the repeat customers in there multiple times. Mm-hmm. We need healthier options. We've got to have healthier options. I'm, I'm in there two to three times a week in entertaining clients. Please get healthier options in our, our food service. And so great. They immediately put them in, they popped them in, they listened to the customer and they acted. And guess what? No one bought the salads. Those salads sat there and just rotted. And so it's important to observe the customer's behavior, not just what they say they want, but actually what they do. And what it ended up being is the customer wanted the perception (laughs) that there was a salad option there. But by golly, I'm still getting my nachos and my beer when I show up. And that idea of even in the case that you were describing, the customer said, I do not want digital. But then if you introduce digital and they all swarmed that direction and ignored all of the paper, those behavior elements uh, sometimes are more telling than what the customer is telling. And that goes all the way back to the beginning of what we talked about. Total voice, the customer is listening across all of the suites. And sometimes it's what the customer says, but oftentimes it's what the customer does that really informs what are the decisions, what are the changes you should make as a business. Yeah. Well, there, there you go. I mean, really uh, great point. And I want to, I want to go back and, and hit on 
some of the things I heard and, and help me out if I missed any, but some of the gems to share with the audience that you you talked about today. So this idea of total voice of the customer. Hey, folks, it's beyond surveys. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Ended there. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Um, also, this idea of, uh, well, so this listen, this um, act, and also engage, you know, engage employees in what you're doing. And I, I just added the idea of, hey, that will help them connect their why to your why as a company, which gives them a higher sense of purpose and will help you with an employee engagement, not just employee experience. Right. And then 100%. Absolutely. Then you also said, and I'm going to use your words on what, what you shared uh, before we got on the show, which is customer experience overall across industry as rating sucks right now. <laughs> and it's yes. proven through multiple data and it's uh, data sources and um, and I would say, we didn't talk about this, but I would say customer expectations are not going down with the service levels. Mm -mm, no. And why should they? Uh, why should they, right? We could go on a whole nother tangent that the customer's not comparing you against other industry peers. Yeah. Hey, bank, they're not comparing you to other bank. They're comparing you to their favorite restaurant, their favorite hotel, their favorite online retailer. So the customer expectations are only going up because they realize that their expectations are set by the best of their experiences, regardless of industry. It, it, it's so true. And I mean, I consider it good news for those who see that and are willing to double down on, on the customer experience, get really serious about having a rigorous program with someone like Rick um, who could help walk and develop the strategies, right? That, um, and if you're thinking about it, listen to his podcast, get, get other CX resources to listen and learn about it. But, but it never happens by accident. That's another gem. It needs to be intentional. Uh, the other thing we talked about, this idea of an outside-in approach, and Rick Rick shared not only is it outside-in, but we do need to also focus on the in because for a variety of reasons, the inside, the internal processes may have suffered, may have actually taken a step back, and we can't lose sight of that um, because they do affect, you know, basic day-to-day -day interactions, for lack of a better mm -hmm. word. That you know they want they want to be wowed, they want you to. You know, do do uh, make them feel like a, a king or a queen, a special person. But but at the same time, you got to get the basics right. And Amen. and we've taken a step back. And so I just I just added to that. Yes, and let's prioritize by what really matters to the customers. And you Absolutely. and you added, if I could just uh, do the summary here, you added what really matters to the customer. Well, you might not just be able to get that from what they say. You might want to do some sort of a B test you know, and, tr and do some trials out there and, and get some real, real data from trying some things out about what they really, and use a great story of, do they want salads in the sky booth? The answer was they wanted the idea of a salad, but they weren't going to eat it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. For, indeed. Or really pay for it. Really. Right. Right. Absolutely. So uh, that that is great, and that kind of winds us down to the end of our our time together here. It's been fascinating, fun. Um, we didn't have I didn't have the typical kind of I don't know pre-flight game plan that I do with others. But that's because I know you're so good on your feet. You're a podcaster, and uh, you know so much about CX. Um, I would highly recommend that um, 
check out Rick. He's got a newsletter too. We didn't talk about that, but he's got a great podcast. Now, I'm not just saying that because I was a guest once. That's right. I know somebody <laughs> that's going to be on this podcast or has already been on. <laughs> <laughs> but he, you can tell just by listening, his passion for uh, serving businesses, serving for customers. It's so evident, Rick. Um, I just want to a- ask you to share uh, well, two things. One, I'm going to ask for some contact information. But first, Rick, the one personal question I want to ask is if you could say some advice, some wisdom to, your, to yourself 20 years ago, 20-year younger self of Rick, what advice would you give him? Oh, this one comes right to mind. And who knows, you may ask me tomorrow and a different one comes. That's the problem with <laughs> the, the creative process. Who knows what's going to percolate up? And that is, don't be afraid to say let me check my words here. Don't be afraid to say that something isn't right when you know it's not right. And I'm not talking about moral stuff. I'm just talking about in the business world, when you're in a context and you're in a business, don't worry about the hierarchy. Don't worry about the leadership. If you think something is bunk, well then by all means, let them know it's bunk and and explain why. You don't have to be a, uh, again, I'm going to check my words. You don't have to be a jerk about it. But be willing to be bold and say, that's not right, as opposed to just going along with it. I think I had less courage 20 years ago than I do now. And I wish that I could have told that 20 something year, 20 year ago kid, hey, it's just business. Let them know that this isn't the way to succeed. It's it's so true. And really, that's what you're getting paid there. You're not getting paid to occupy a seat. You're getting paid to identify what, you know, clearly when things are going right, but also when they're not, not going yeah. right. So thanks for the wisdom. Thanks too, for uh, helping me avoid two edits in that last set of comments there that I would have had to cut out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll teach you how to put a bleep and then the little something over somebody's oh, mouth. I've oh. had to do that a couple of times. Oh, did you? Oh, I like, I like that. I don't know how to do that. So that would be interesting. <laughs> hey, Rick, if they want to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Yeah, I'd, I'd point people to three main sources. Maybe I'll come up with a fourth. But the first is go to the YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash at CX Passport. Right now, the YouTube channels have a little at in front of it. So youtube.com slash at CX Passport. I'd encourage you to sign up for the newsletter, cxpassport.com. That'll keep you up to date with all the episodes. And then hit me on LinkedIn. There's all sorts of things that uh, we can get into a conversation about. I love getting into conversations on LinkedIn. So follow me there, connect with me there. And I realize I said there was a fourth one. Head over to totalvoc.com. There's a, a downloadable a, a maturity assessment that you can have a, a look at and just kind of gauge, all right, this is where I am on my Total VOC journey. Perfect. Thank you so much, Rick. It's been so much fun. I hope I can, I can convince you to come back at some point in the future. I think it was great. I had a blast, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being on. Thanks for listening to the Delighted Customers Podcast. I'd like to ask you a favor. If you have enjoyed this episode or any of my other ones, hit subscribe or follow. I've got a lot of other great guests that are coming up and a lot of other great content, and I don't want you to miss anything. You can find any links or references on the show in the show notes, and you can find those on my website at empoweredcx.com. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.